Welcome to Younger and Older. I'm Dave Wager with the Relate365.com leadership team. Uh, today, I'm doing the program Younger Older with my brother, Rick. And I am the younger one. So 18 months younger, he is the old guy. And uh, he looks it, if you ever saw a picture of him, and he should look it because I'm much younger than he is. Um, we've been in ministry for all of our lives because our dad was a pastor, and he went a different route than I did. He became a pastor, and I stayed in the camping ministry, and I tip my hat to you, brother, for being in the pastorate because I think that's got to be one of the toughest jobs in the world. Do, do you like being a pastor? Yeah, I, I actually do like being a pastor. I, I started off as a youth pastor for about 27 years, and now I'm in a different role as a lead pastor. But uh, I, I do think that um, shepherding the flock is something that's just part of me. So shepherding the flock, is that pastor talk? What does that actually mean? Yeah, it is pastor talk, but it's also Bible talk. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> well fill us in on the shepherding the flock kind of thing. Well, one, one of the things that Paul was really clear about is that he went all over the world really planting churches. And one of the things that Paul said at the end of Acts chapter 20, verse 28 actually, he, um, he was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. And he was literally um, mourning this segment because he had spent about three years with those at the Ephesian church. And he knew he would never see them again. And one of his last words that, that he shared with him is found in verse 28, where he says to the elders, guard yourselves, first of all, and guard your flock. And then in the next breath, he just literally says, um, care for the sheep well. Make sure you do this. This is, this is your priority. And I have taken that really to heart is, um, you know, over the years, um, an elder or a shepherd or a pastor, all the same things in, in my um, perspective, is someone that needs to guard themselves, is to help in order for us to care for the flock well, we need to be able to guard ourselves first. So as you say, is it, is it uh, church talk? It is. Okay. When, when you talk that way, though, let me, let me ask you this. Young people today might feel like they don't really need to belong to a church. So if you've got a flock that you need to oversee, and if that's biblical, then people should deliberately, intentionally put themselves in a position where they have a shepherd, an under-shepherd. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I not only think that uh, the church is pretty relevant today, but I also think that the whole mentoring or the discipling or working with a shepherd or, or, or helping um, others as a shepherd or being under someone who is shepherding them is pretty critical. Okay, so speak to the, the young person that's listening out there that basically thinks church is really not that critical for them. It's not important. They'll go when they feel like it. They're not against church. They, they think it's a great place to go and, you know, worship, sing, whatever, and, and listen, but they're not really involved at all in church. What would you say to them if they came to you and said, why should I be involved? 
I mean, I can love God and not go to church. I can, I can read the Bible. I can know who he is. Um, why should I be a part of a church? You know, you're, you're reflecting um, not only young people. I, I think you're probably reflecting our whole culture here in America. Okay. I, I do think that young people um, are a little bit more tech-savvy. So seriously, they do not have to get out of their bedrooms in order to hear a great message or to enjoy great worship music. Um, they know where to go. They, they know the greatest of the speakers and the greatest of the worship leaders. So technically, they know how to do that better. But I think everybody um, has an opinion like, do I really need to be part of the church? And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that in a sentence or two, but I'm from Chicago. I've, I've grown up in the city. I, I've always been part of the suburbs and and that whole scenario. So you are talking about a place that has a plethora of unbelievably wonderful and good churches. Right. But the truth is, is that many people look at churches like it's either a country club, you know, what do they have to offer me? Or they look at churches as, as what can I get from them? So, so they're very... Um, in, in my opinion, um, driven by how churches can help them. And, and again, I, I think we're missing what the church is all about. It's, it's really not at all about what you get from a church. It's, it's actually what you give to a church. Well, and, and so you as a pastor or a shepherd, you get to look at the sheep that come in and work with them and get them to live up to the potential in reaching uh, out to people, reach, using their lives significantly in the kingdom work. But you're kind of the guide, the shepherd, the, the one that is consumed with that. You want to make other people successful in, in how God created them and bring them to God and introduce them to God and make sure they walk the way they... I mean, like a shepherd would with sheep, yeah. pretty much. In fact, um, over the last few years and the last few churches that I've been at, uh, as I've connected with our elders and worked with them, uh, we've always been in a neighborhood of mega churches. And, and my church has, has never been a mega church. Um, so there are people that will often um, be dissatisfied with a mega church or with a pastor or with a program and come walking into our church and uh, immediately there's a little bit of the bad-mouthing or there's a little bit of the discontent that, that comes out. And as I sit down with them or, or talk with them or share with them, um, I find out again that, that they're trying to find a place that uh, they will always like a preacher or they will like the youth ministry or they will, and, and you just fill in the blank, I, I, do you have a singles ministry here? And I don't think those are bad questions, but those aren't the questions that decide what church you go to. So if you're in a commercial mindset and you are just trying to find what is best for you, what's best for your family, then you're going to go to church after church after church, just like a country club. And what kind of benefits can you get and how will it serve my family um, until the place you come to when you don't like the pastor, 
you don't like the youth group again, and then you're going to start the cycle all over again. Yeah, and it's an inevitable probably that the pastor or the youth pastor is going to say something or do something that you're going to disagree with. Absolutely. Yeah, because they're humans and they have perspectives and everybody's still sinful. But, you know, if you're going to if you're going to hold somebody to a standard of perfection, it's only Jesus you can do that with. The rest of us are trying to figure it out, I, I would say. And you need to be with people who who love you. Now, when I say, you know, we've talked a lot about there, there's two things that seem to be important to the heart of God uh, and two things that he made us to do, love him and love each other. So what does that look like in the church to love God and love each other? I mean, what are we doing as a group? Why, if I do that alone, what am I missing out on? Yeah, that, that's a good question, Dave, because um, if you look at the scriptures again, I would say there's three greats. And you mentioned the great commandment. And the great commandment is love God and then love others well. But there's the Great Commission, which is, as you go, make disciples, and the Great Invitation, all you who are tired and weary, you come to me, and I will give you rest. So if you put all of the greats together, all right, things that were really, really important to Jesus, as he talked about the kingdom, and as he talked about community, what you're going to find out is that you really can't do life apart with other people, all right? It is something, again, that is, that is critical for the journey. So I look at church, and we often call it a community, uh, but I look at it as a family. Right. I, I, I don't think, even though you're my brother or I look at various other families, we oftentimes don't even— get to choose who our parents right. are or, right. or who our siblings are or any of those things. And we can say, I wish I had this dad or I wish I had this brother, all right? But the truth is, in the church, as we come together, God in his sovereignty knows who to put where. They call, I, I believe, not they, but God calls people to churches. And they have certain gifts and they have certain abilities to be able to equip the church and to encourage others, according to he, uh, um, Ephesians chapter 4. And as we come together, we will make a perfect body. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but we make a body that complements one another. So if someone is just going to get, they really are never giving and, and honestly, I don't think that their purpose will be fulfilled. I, I think they're going to keep grasping and they're going to try to have a life that's fulfilling. But Jesus didn't come to this planet so we would just go and be entertained or be um, have our, our tanks filled or our tires pumped. Those are things we do, but that's not how we... Okay, so if I come to your church, let's say I'm a new guy, I walk in the door, yep. and, and you greet me, and I'm, I just tell you, look, I'm new in the neighborhood, I'm looking for a church. What are you thinking about me? What, what, what are your thoughts that are going through your head? Because I'm brand new, and I just walked in the door, and you're a shepherd pastor. What are you thinking right now um, as far as concerning me? 
Because I think a lot of people might wonder, boy, if I go to this church, you know, they're going to try and get my money. They're going to try and get you know, me signed up. For, what are you actually thinking when I walk in the door um, about what your job is or what I'm supposed to? What are you thinking? Yeah. I, I honestly try to address that person where they're at. And I will honestly be friendly. Um, we'll chat a little bit of what they're looking for or why they're coming or even, you know, what kind of experiences they've had in the past. Now, again, if they're walking in the church and this is, you know, just moments before we start our celebration service, I'm not going to have a lot of time. Right. All right. But I will address them. And usually what I will say to them will be, you know what, you're going to judge whether you're going to come back to this church probably within the first three minutes. I I just want you to know. I'm going to ask you not to do that. I'm going to ask you, first of all, to wait all the way to the end of this service and just ask yourself, is this something I'd like to continue the journey? I would love to have coffee with you, which just simply means this, is that I will get to know you. You'll get to know me. We'll have an opportunity to be able to find out why you're looking for a new church. And I'll be honest with you, is that there are plenty of wonderful churches in our area. And if after we talk, I honestly believe, you know what? I bet you would fit really well over in X church or over here in Y church or over here in Z church. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you to go there. I would love for you to stay. I would, but I want you to stay because you understand how wonderful and amazing the church is and that you can make a difference. Now, say if somebody came to your church and and they just left the church down the road and they just, let's say, caused a stink down there. Right. I mean, somehow they were mad at the pastor. They were mad at how everything was done. I'll just go find another church. I'll take myself and go to another church. Do you deal with that differently? Yeah, I do. But I never find out why people leave until you have a personal conversation with them. Yeah. So realistically, I don't want them to leave poorly. I do think there's reasons to leave a church, but there also is a good way to leave a church, just like in any relationships. Oftentimes, you know, relationships or conflict come and our normal response is just to be able to run or badmouth those folks and and just go into a different relationship. It's the same way with the church. Um, We need to be able to help the family of God understand how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. And if they are to leave a church, be able to leave well, so that if they walked back into that church, there would be a greeting and there would be something that all right, we're we're glad you're here. We understand why you left, but you are part of God's family, and um, it's good to see you. So, has anyone ever come to you and just said, "You know what? I've I've struggled with this other church. I'm I'm leaving them, and I just want to throw it by you to see um, is this healthy? I mean, has anyone ever even asked you that? Yeah, actually, the, there's quite a few times that people will be bold. Let let me just say this. There's usually two kinds of folks that if they are believers that come to a church, 
First of all, those would be the less mature. There's a group who is less mature. And like I said, just honestly just caring about a fix, the worship, maybe a good message, a great storyteller, and they're just going to stay for just a little bit. Um, I honestly don't really spend a lot of time with folks like that. Okay. I, I mean, it's just I'll let them know the strengths and the weaknesses of our church, let them, let them know what's going on, and perhaps God will get a hold of their heart. It's the other folks who I sense have been part of a church. Maybe they have been hurt, or maybe they're struggling with certain scenarios. Um, I like to pursue it with them. I, I'd like to talk with them in a, I, I would say, brother to brother or uh, two people that desire deeply to hear from God. They respond differently. And oftentimes then, hey, I think you need to go back to this pastor, or I think you need to talk to this elder, or I think you need to work out this situation. I don't think you're going to be free to serve here or serve anywhere until that relationship has been mended in a, in a healthy way. Yeah. Now, you mentioned elders. Are, are Some people really view elders as kind of power control kind of people that really are just trying to control the world with their money or their power, their status. Um, it, it, do you get people that are weary about that when they come and talk to you about the church, and how would you respond to that? Yeah, eld elders, uh, according to my understanding, are the shepherds of the flock. A pastor is an elder. And um, I, I guess as, as I look at leadership, any kind of leadership, one of the things that's important uh, for churches and for sheep in a church is to understand um, the role of elders. And elders are, are literally, yes, shepherds. But there's churches that are congregationally run, which, again, there's certain parameters that, that come up. They control the budget. There are certain churches where elders rule, shall we say, or they're the decision makers, and they take care of the budgets and the staffing and, and so on. So realistically, I come from more of a congregationally-led background, and that's the church that I'm in also at this moment. So we have elders who have been elected to be able to care for the flock well. Okay. So my, my um, encouragement to people would be this, is that elders are not power hungry. Uh, I think at times elders are in wrong positions, just like deacons are in wrong positions. Or, and, and you can go right down that, but one of the first things I did, I've, I've only been at my church a little less than three years, is really meet with all the leaders and just really ask one question. Is God wired you for what you're doing? And we talk about it. We talk about the gifts. We talk about their heart. We talk about what they love to do. Or were you in a position a long time ago and literally can't get out of it? Yeah. yeah have you seen people outgrow their ability? I don't th yeah, Dave, I don't think it's ability. I, I do think God um, refines us. Right. All right. And I think gifts are developed, actually. I don't think we understand all the gifts that God has given each one of us. But I do feel, number one, that as we serve others, there are times 
uh, number one, even if you're an elder, I believe you're an elder for life, but maybe you do need a break. Maybe there is a year that you need to take a sabbatical and you need to restore your own soul and you need to um, maybe serve in, a, in another area temporarily. Um, but I do, I do think that as we understand what God has given us, we don't necessarily get tired of eldering or shepherding because if that's how God's wired us, we actually get energized doing that. But there are times in the life of a church, in the life of a family, you know, maybe there's been some trauma. Maybe there's been e even um, some dissonance, you know, and it wears on you. And so there are times, realistically, I would just call them Sabbath times, right. you know, where you need to get away or you need to take a break. You need to let God restore your soul so you might be able to do the task that God's given you. Yeah, now, now eldership, really, even in a congregational church, it, it's not supposed to be political, is it? Correct. So how do you guard that? I mean, if I come into a church, how do I know? I mean, because the political stuff should stay with politics. And if it gets in the church, it gets, I mean, some people may be just turned off because it seems like a church is political. How do you, as the pastor of a church, as the shepherd, the under shepherd, how do you, how do you stop the politics? Yeah. Every leadership position actually is politics. It is. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't. I mean, there are times that people will vote for leaders, which actually it's, it's a little bit offensive um, because we look at leadership in the church as if it's a governor or a right, president. Right. Um, realistically, a vote in, in a congregation for an elder or any other position is really an affirmation. It, it shouldn't be a popularity contest. It shouldn't be something, again, that, okay, uh, you've served in this area for the last 25 years, so therefore you should continue serving. Right. So what I would say is that we look at what the scriptures tell us about what the qualifications are for leaders, whether it be elders or deacons. And there are men and women in the church that qualify um, biblically. And these are the folks, again, after they're proven, after, and, and again, church constitutions sometimes talk about, you know, you need to be right. in the church for X amount of years. But reality, Paul warned Timothy, just don't take young leaders. Don't right. take people who have just come to faith. Let them prove themselves. And it should be an honor and a privilege to be a leader in the church. And realistically, there will be continual um, hassles at times where decisions are made that not everyone will agree, just like in a family, yep. all right? But as you care for the flock, the respect for your leadership will grow as you feed them as you teach them what the Bible has to say, if you need to discipline them at times, in other words, put your arm around them. And, and again, discipline isn't about spanking them or, or ostracizing them. It's for restoring them. Yep. So you take a person who is a biblical elder, one that walks with God, cares for the flock well, I believe their esteem will grow and they will be honored differently. 
Yeah, you know, I think that those that are listening need to put themselves in a position where they are in a local church with a pastor and an elder board that love God and submit to them and go in there and say, you know what, I'm here to serve. And I would love to serve under your leadership. I mean, try that sometime. Go, go to your pastor and say, I'm here to serve. I would love to serve under your leadership. Would you help me be successful? But what would happen Dave, if somebody walked Dave, in your, your office and said that? Dave, that, that, yeah, that would be nice. Um, honestly, I, I do think there are probably people out there like that. Well, I'm thinking they need to verbalize it. Yes. Uh, to, to help the pastors, yeah. I think to help the pastors know that, look, I'm somebody that wants to work with you. Yeah. I am somebody that wants your leadership, and I want you to be watching as a shepherd would my gifts, my talents, my abilities, yeah. and make sure they're in the right spot. Yeah. Because, I mean, we all have stuff we like to do, but we might not be gifted at that. And, and, and it might be, yeah, I think you need to grow and develop, but I think there's things you just slide into at, at times because you love doing it, and it shows that you love doing it. Um, there are some people that cook, man. They ought to be cooking for the church, you know, when they do things because they're just phenomenal. They love it. They love every detail about it. And there are others that just like to eat, you know. I, I don't know. But I, I, think, I think that what we need to do is reset the atmosphere a little bit and realize that shepherds love their sheep. And we need to give them a chance to shepherd us. I mean, that's what we need to do. And uh, if, you, if, you know, you have a... A senior pastor doesn't understand what you're saying when you go to him. You maybe you need to, you know, look somewhere else or something. But I think you need to go and talk to your pastor. And 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 I think during that, isn't there a week where we show appreciation to pastors somewhere? It's supposed to be a month, Dave. Uh, oh, Come on. <laughs> sorry, it's, it's October. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. a, a nanosecond yeah. of thanks or yes. something. I honestly think the best way you can show appreciation to a pastor is by going and saying, "I want to learn." I want to be everything that I can be. I appreciate your teaching. Please uh, hold me accountable to pretty high standards. And you might have your pastor fall over when you say that, because I don't think that's a norm. Would you agree that's not a norm, that somebody comes in in your office and tells you that? Right. It, it isn't a norm. But, you know, I, I think the ministry is hard. Every ministry is hard. But when you are continually on the pedestal or behind the pulpit, there's a lot of times whether you say something or do something that that people see it as critical right or they are critical and i guess i would just say this the scriptures tell us to honor those who teach the word and most people look at that and and think it's monetary uh, think it's money and and i do think you should support your pastor but i really think you know what, if you could pump your pastor's tires well, that would be so encouraging, whether it be a note or whether it be a conversation how you're growing or what God is doing in your life. We love to hear about transformation. Right. We love to hear what God is, how God is showing up every single day and how we're able to reflect him well everybody. Yeah, I want to encourage our listeners. Um, for a moment in this next week, I want you to think for a moment, how can I make my pastor successful? How can I make them the best they can be? Because I guarantee you, if they love God, they love you, they're, they're thinking that of you. So I'm so thankful that you took time to listen to Younger Older. I'm thankful to my brother Rick for being on the program. He's the older guy this time. 
This is Dave Wager with the Younger Older coming to you from Relate365.com. We're a division of silverbirchranch.org.